turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good. What is it? Good morning. (laughs) Good day. Talking about investing, talking about all-time highs on the markets, although you're starting to hear more and more talk amongst the financial experts about where do we go from here? Earnings are not that good. Is it baked into the cake? Lots going on. Speaking about baking into the cake, CFP Chad Burton's online here to promote the upcoming 14th of November seminar in Burlingame on retirement income and tax planning. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing great. Thanks. Doing great. I like that. Uh, You and I had an interesting off-air conversation yesterday about getting older and not necessarily getting wealthier, but getting healthier. I always find that kind of interesting chatting with you because I never know where you and I are going to go. And we know it's all going to be about money, but health and retirement and aging. Uh, Hit on that real quickly again. Well, yeah. I mean, you can have all the money in the world, but if you spend your entire retirement dealing with health issues, and um, I see situations all the time where, unfortunately, you, you might have a couple, and and everybody's you know talks to them about, oh, what are you doing this week? Well, and and, and they start saying one of us has to go to the doctor on Monday, the other on Tuesday, oh. and you kind of you fill your full time job of of uh, shuffling back and forth to different Western medicine healthcare providers and. You're like, okay, that's great to have all that money, but if your health isn't intact, what's the point of all of it? Um, so it's just become more and more important to me and, and uh, people that I talk to about retirement. Sounds about right, because uh, I'm not aging well. I'm, I'm aging like a fruit and not like wine, if that makes any sense. And uh, it's good to know. But big event coming up in Burlingame, Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar, November 14th. Uh, one of the things that you kind of prep people for is getting tests done, not medical tests, but financial stress tests, so to speak, for retirement. What do we need to know about testing to see if we're ready to retire? Yeah, and, and by far, this is the my, of all the blogs we have up, and we've got some on the, you know, mega 401k, Roth 401k that people should be asking their employers about, where you can get well over 19 grand into a 401k at places like IBM, Apple, and Cisco. And so check out those blogs. But farther down back in August, um, I updated the, you need more than a number six test to determine retirement readiness. And it's really a way to say, okay, here's all my information. And you can look at a financial plan and know that it's not going to be exactly right ever, right? It's, it's, it's all these linear cash flow projections. And people use a fixed rate of return, which never happens in the market. It's always a variable rate of return. And people, unfortunately, will look at a market like we've had over the last, you know, since really the bottom of the market in 09, and how well the S&P has done, 
and they'll use rates of return that really aren't realistic, especially in, with the fact that the 10-year Treasury is under 2%, and most bond funds are yielding around 25 to 3% versus okay. your parents that were getting 6% on their CDs. See what I'm saying? So it's different, and it, it runs through a series of tests that you have to do on your portfolio and on your withdrawal strategy gives you boxes to check to say, are you ready to, to really pull the trigger? Because once you go in at, say, 62, 65 years old, and you go in to your employer and you say, hey, I'm retiring, and then it doesn't really work out, there's so much age discrimination in the Bay Area, it's kind of hard to go back. Um, so you, you want to make sure that you really are wise about your choices and you have a strategy for taxes, for withdrawals, for rebalancing. And you really have a real clear look at where you're going and how you monitor it. All good information. Um, anything else that we need to know that you're working on right now for the big seminar coming up on the 14th? And for the record, uh, Chad just brought up the blogs at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. It's, you, you'll find them. They're under insights and podcasts and events. And there's all sorts of good content to get and to grab at newfocusfinancial.com while you're signing up for the seminar on the 14th in Burlingame. Anything else that we should be talking about, Chad? Well, yeah, I mean, before you do any tests for retirement, of course, as we just talk about, you got to have a real clear idea of your expenses. Okay. Um, you know, what are, what are your expenses not only to, you know, keep the lights on in your house, but um, your entertainment, what's going to get you out of bed, and now more and more, like I'm talking about, what's going to improve your health so that you can enjoy retirement? What, what is everything going to cost in that situation? And then you have to realize, where are you taking your money from? How much is in a 401k that's never been taxed? How much is in a Roth that's tax-free? How much of your company stock at, say, Apple or Lockheed Martin that are you, are you going to be selling, and what's the cost basis? So you've got to have a general knowledge of the approximate taxes that you're going to pay, because you have to start with your expenses, and those have to be pretty good. Um, and you have to project those out, and the first test is, hey, let's say the market, a balanced portfolio like it did in one of the worst uh, kind of market runs that we've seen, which would be from January 1st, 2007 to December 31st, 2017, that 10-year period, where you have in the middle of that the Great Recession, a three-year rough patch in the stock market. And so if you have a balanced portfolio that during that period of time averaged 5.5%, you know, what if you have that forever? Will you and you have a two and a half to three percent inflation? Will you still have enough money to last till age one hundred? And if not, what's your plan B? Are you going to sell your house? Are you going to downsize? Are you going to move out of state? Um, so it's that first test is that linear cash flow model at conservative rates of return. So that'll give you a hey, can I survive a, a kind of mediocre market for the next say twenty years? And can I survive inflation? Um, and that's a start. And, you know, we'll kind of end with the, the test number four, which is Monte Carlo simulation. And that's where you can run it through different order of stock market returns, whether they come good in the beginning or good at the end, which is better, different scenarios of longevity. And you can actually get a success rate, Rob. Like okay. Under your current situation, your current portfolio, what is your success rate to be able to make it through retirement and not run out of money? I really have no idea what the future holds. When you say projecting kind of returns, are, are you in the camp of we're moving more towards socialism and maybe the returns won't be as good? Uh, what's your expectation for returns that people should assume going forward? Because it's been a glorious year and I didn't see this coming. 
Yeah, it's well. I think that we're going to have to realize that. I think the stock market will always, uh, you know, revert to the mean. In other words, if we look at twenty, thirty-year market cycles, we're still going to average ten percent to eleven percent on stocks. But th- those come in, in in fits and spurts, and you just have to make sure you're dealing with your portfolio the right way in retirement and rebalancing and pulling some gains off during the good quarters. Like this last quarter was amazing. Good time to rebalance. Um, but the interest rate scenario globally, that's the concern that I have, which is where typically investors in retirement have 30 to 50% of their money minimum, right? And in, in, in very safe assets that have a low rate of return. Um, and so that's, you know, could potentially change that testing on the linear cash flow. We might have to use rates of 5 or 4.75% if bonds stay that low. Now, I'm not saying that, that your portfolios could end up doing much better. But you have to go into retirement with a very conservative look. Um, you don't want to, you know, run projections at pie in the sky type of scenarios. Got so, it. at least taxes are low and inflation is low. That's helping the low bond rates. So there's a blog at newfocusfinancial.com. There's an event coming up where people can check out the blog, but also sign up for the event Thursday, November 14th, 6:30 to 8:30, Double Tree by Hilton Hotel. Retirement planning is more complicated than ever. Learn more information about the event. It's coming up November 14th at newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up today, newfocusfinancial.com. Check out the commercials for more information. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing more. Thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. I really do. Um, I've got a blessed life in so many ways. Uh, Don't want to confuse you with the word blessed. Just want to say thanks for listening. Oh, 10% on Wall Street. That's a number that you hear often. Is it a myth? You expect your globally diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds to produce an average annual 10% return. And is that kind of crazy to expect? Because it's globally diverse. Some investors have the expectation, and they become upset when it doesn't happen. I'm having a great year. I rebalanced my portfolio yesterday because it was a great year. I didn't wait for my gains to go away, to come back to the norm. It was an above average year and I I locked in some gains. I moved to some value. So I still have the exposure, but you kind of see the one I'm going at. You've heard about 10% returns your whole life. It emanates from the performance of the S&P 500, a widely used barometer of 500 stocks, even though it's a market-weighted index, so it's really how the top 10 to 20 stocks do that could really determine the year. The S&P 500 is quoted as having a 10% return since 1926. That's a long time. That's better than real estate by far. But it doesn't mean that your investment portfolio will generate 10% returns. First, the S&P 500 has earned an average of 10% annually for 90 years. That's only an average. It's never actually produced exactly 10%. It's like the average American family has 2.3 children. 
who are these 0.3 children? Some have no kids, some have one, some have two, some have three. But no one has exactly 2.3. The S&P 500 has earned 8% and 12% in any given year. The index has been up 13% and down 13% during the past 90 years. But in no year did it ever grow exactly 10%. Pretty interesting to me. The S&P 500 represents only one specific sector. It's large cap companies. And your portfolio can't be based on large cap companies only, or it shouldn't, because then you're not getting the sexiness of mid cap stocks, small cap stocks, international stocks, income producing stocks. So that diversification will cut your 10% returns, right? Portfolios that you look at typically hit different asset classes, different market sectors. I'll say on a regular basis that I don't have a lot of exposure to materials. So even though the S&P 500 does, I don't. I do own some S&P 500 though, right? When you start looking at returns on stocks, do you naturally want to take a look at returns theoretically on bonds, on real estate, on commodities, and other financial assets that particularly are not stocks? It's worthy of note that other market sectors have produced as high an average annual rate of return since 1926 as the S&P 500. There's going to be moments where real estate, energy, precious metals, bonds all have some sort of outperformance, but it's nowhere near the S&P 500. So out of all the asset classes, large cap stocks seems to be something that, in theory, we like. So don't really expect it. Know that it's there. And know that like you're going to have different returns. For instance, I've got a financial planner that I work with. And uh, I particularly told him, I don't want any bonds in my portfolio. I go on air and I say, I don't want any bonds in my portfolio. And I need to legally back that up when I tell you I don't have any bonds. I don't own one bond that I know of. There may be an index that somehow has got bonds into a stock index. I don't know. I can't possibly know each and every single detail, right? But he fought with me. He's like, you got to have bonds. I'm like, I, I understand you're a good financial planner. I understand you're, you're doing what you think is best for me, but I don't want bonds. Now, as I get older and I'm starting to push towards 60, I want some bonds. I still don't have them. I got to make that transition. I've got real estate. I own, what other assets do I have? Depreciating assets like cars? No, I can't count those. So I own some real estate and I own stocks. That's crazy. Suddenly I feel bad. Like, now I have some interesting real estate. I own half of an office that's right next to a court. Now, you're saying, why, why are you telling me that? If you've ever had a relationship with an attorney, you know that they're always going to court. And you know that they would prefer to walk there in two minutes than drive there in 20. Not always completely true. 
But I get a feeling that we're always going to have criminals and we're always going to have courts. We're always going to have lawyers that want to be close to a courthouse. So that's an office property that I own. Now, the home that I bought for my kids and my family was tied towards a school system. Then, because in theory, the school system should stay good. And in theory, people are going to make babies. And they're going to want to put their kids in a good school system. So I kind of cut down some of my risk by thinking like that. I don't go, man, oh, man, I'd really like to live way out in Tracy. It's half the price. I'm not going to be able to find people to buy that down the road. Or it's not going to appreciate. Not say Tracy won't appreciate. But the next piece of real estate I own, also very interesting to look back on. It's a rental property in North Carolina in Raleigh, which is surrounded by tons of businesses and three colleges, NC State, UNC, and Duke. I think I'll always have renters. People who are there for their first job, people who are there right out of college, people who are there for college. Can you think of that way about your assets? Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. It's super important that you kind of have a plan and pull all together. CFP Chad Burton was on a little bit earlier talking about testing for retirement. Are you ready? Do you have enough? Will it last? Part of life is kind of funny because I was I was actually thinking very fondly of Chad recently and how long I've known him. And I've known him through a very tough divorce of his. I've known him through all four of his kids' births. And you kind of see like the, the seasons of life and you kind of see like we are on the road to retirement. And we once were strong, big, fast men that turned slower. One of the things that does it is the stresses of money and, and investing and saving. I was doing a lot of work on the California wildfires recently and how restaurants just got fleeced because of power outages during the wildfires. And you're like, okay, wildfires, I get the roads are closed, I get smoke, people are evacuated. But do you think about power outages? Pretty interesting stuff when you think about a fire and people lose cars. Uh, one restaurant owner hasn't been able has not been able to pay her 17 employees because she was pulling in 50,000 cash flow a week that was paying them. And then when all the food goes bad and there's no one in the stores, restaurants because of power, it's a stress. And it could turn a, a great financial plan into shambles pretty quickly. Back in 2017, California wildfires cost about $85 billion. In 2018, a, a huge year of fires, about $400 billion. That's a lot of econo economic activity that's both good and bad. Let's face it. If you have a 10-year-old car and it burns to the ground, you're going to go out and get a new car. And the people that sell paint to the car company and the steel to the car company and the tires to the car company and the, the secretaries and the finance managers, they all get a piece of the action when you buy a car, right? So there's some weird way of looking at disasters as a positive because you have to rebuild. 
it's an odd concept, right? But it's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Another thought that's gone through my head recently, some of the ramifications of all of these delivery services. Um, obviously, Domino's was the original pizza delivery. But now any pizza company can have delivery if they have DoorDash or what have you. Lyft and Uber and Grubhub and Uber Eats, DoorDash, just to name a few. I saw, and I think it was in Poland last night, it was somewhere in the Western or Eastern Europe, that one delivery company just acquired another delivery company. And that's actually a good thing. Because right now, these companies are kind of killing each other, trying to get loyalty in basically what's a commodity. There's a really nice restaurant in my hometown called Town. <clears throat> and I love it. It's good food. It's, it, it's pricey, but they do a nice job. But that's the premium, is them and their quality, not the Grubhub or the DoorDash who's going to bring it to me. I don't care. The company's smart enough to get it right the way they package their, their delivery. So consolidation is going to happen. We don't need a Grubhub. Grubhub should probably be acquired by Uber or Lyft. We don't need Post-it, Postmates. We don't need DoorDash. Too many names. It gets too confusing. Now, again, could one of them emerge as the shining knight, victor, winner-take-all? I don't think so. Did you see the movie Highlander? Sean Connery and, good God, that European actor who is just awful. Um, he kind of talks like this. He doesn't have a lot of emotion. There's a line in the movie Highlander. It was basically about 100-year-old ninjas, samurais, that vampires that could live forever. And the only way they could die is if you cut off their head, right? That's the premise. Loosely. And Sean Connery plays one of the superpower ninja warriors, masters of the universe kind of thing. Thank you, Sean. Um, the big tagline in the movie is, there can be only one. There can be only one. So when you look around at fast food, when you look around at investing, when you look around in businesses, I think there can be two. But very, very rarely is there enough food or enough power there for three, four, or five. Some, of them, some businesses can survive like that. But in online ads, what do you think? Facebook and Google, and that's about it. When you think big box retail, Walmart and Target. When you think big box electronic retail, you used to think Circuit City and Best Buy. Now you just think Best Buy. Yeah, there's some players like Fry's, but eh, not very material. 
in wireless service. What do you think of Verizon and AT&T? And then there's like that other one, T-Mobile and Sprint, who they are going forward with that merger because the big boys control the game. They had to slash prices and never make money. At one point in time, and I don't know if the statistic's still true, that Apple made like 130% of the profits in cell phones. And you're like, how is that possible? How can they not make 100%? But basically, they were basically causing companies like Samsung to lose money. And Samsung just tried to stay in the game as long as they could. In semiconductors, there used to be Intel, AMD, Cyrix, and there was one more, and I've already forgotten their name. I want to say National Semi or something like that, but that's not right. But that was in the 80s and the 90s, and then you started seeing these companies fail and fall behind because they couldn't keep up with AMD and Intel. And for the record, Intel made the money. AMD lost money just to stay in second place. Ford and General Motors. They're the dominant American car makers, right? Who's the other one? Oh, yeah, Chrysler. You kind of forgot that one, huh? Coke and Pepsi. Exxon and Chevron. Home Depot and Lowe's. So you kind of see that all of these businesses, we don't need them all. And again, I have, I'm not saying anything negative against Uber Eats. I'm not saying anything negative against Grubhub. DoorDash, Postmates, they're just all commodities to me. So there is going to be a shakeout there. I'm having some odd concepts today, huh? There can only be two based on Highlander. And then, what's the, oh, the uh, Sonos can bought out acquisitions. A little different topic today. Oh, and I would not be serving you well if I didn't say, yesterday I talked about Uber. And how the IPO lockup period was going to set to expire today. It's almost midnight. Cinderella, you need to get moving. Midnight hit last night for Uber, and insiders are selling. Stock's getting hit pretty aggressively today. That's why I don't buy IPOs. I wait at least a year for the insiders to shake out. Now, again, this isn't a rule set in stone, so don't quote me on that. But... It's a general standard that I have. It's, for instance, when I was 18, it was okay to date 18-year-olds. When I was 25, it was okay to date 18-year-olds. But when I was 25, it wasn't okay to date 17-year-olds. Kind of creepy that way I'm going that pervy direction, huh? But you have standards, and you have things that you can accept and things that you don't accept. Same thing with investing. I try to stay away from, now I might fall for one. I might say, this is it. This is the big one. This is all that in a bucket of chicken. I'm going to pay whatever price. But I tend not to. So Uber's sitting at a 52-week low today, um, $26.83. A lot of the risk is out of the stock now. It had a failed IPO. It struggled. Now the insiders who worked really hard at the company for all those years, giving us cheap rides, getting us addicted to the service, like, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. over the holidays, and I'm debating, do I get it? Do I just Uber while I'm there, or do I get a car? And it's the first time I'm probably not going to get a car. D.C. is a big city. That whole area, and my mother lives in Northern Virginia, so I'm going to visit my mother, and uh, 
you can kind of see where that's going. But it's in the head. So a lot of risk is now out of Uber. And it becomes more interesting to me as it now meets my standards. I could say that uh, it's been a failed IPO. It didn't skyrocket, so I'm not chasing it. it. In fact, it cratered, and insiders are now able to sell, and they don't care because they might have got their shares for $1.50, and it's at $26, and they're thrilled. They would have really rather added at $80, but they're still thrilled, and they're still going to be buying yachts and boats and cars and new wives and plastic surgeries. They're going to help the overall economy. Hey, big seminar coming up Thursday, the 14th in Burlingame. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Listen to the commercials for a little bit more information. It's Thursday coming up in Burlingame. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing more. Big seminar coming up. It's last one of the year. As I'm getting older, I'm thinking more and more about retirement. This is a pretty good event for you if you're getting older and thinking about retirement. You can sign up for the event. It's free at newfocusfinancial.com. If you've been to two or three of the events, don't come. You, It's nothing new. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's nothing life-changing. It's a nice refresher, but it's also discouraging for us to see that sometimes the same people 10, 15 times. So do us a favor and... If you've been to too many, don't come. And again, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying uh, one of the mistakes that people make is they think that you're getting financial advice from radio and TV when it's really not advice because we don't know you. It's just best practices that we tend to employ ourselves. Um, I think I'm speaking for a lot of people in the industry. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Oh, I'm fascinated with the, the delivery world, but I'm going to force myself off of it at this point in time uh, because I do like that Costco and Instacart are testing free one-hour prescriptions. I think that's actually that's one of the services we do need. We need drugs to get in the right hands. And one thing that I like about Amazon's approach with PillPack I've got a mom who's had a couple strokes. Um, she doesn't know who the president is. Do you think she knows how to open her pills? Do you think she knows that her metformin is something she needs to take four times a day? Which, if you do the math, is once every six hours. She can't do math. I love my mom, but she's basically a glorified child at this point in time. Talking about this, the sucking of getting older, right? <clears throat> She was my she was a goddess to me as a child. I adore that woman. I've copied most of my parenting from her. But getting old stinks, but so I do like the some of the approaches that they're taking, like Amazon's pill pack where all she has to know is it's Monday. Take all the pills that are in on Monday. And a week from today, Amazon's gonna be dropping a package in her mailbox that has another week of pills. That's convenient as heck. Because when you're older, you tend to get a little wackadoodle if you're off your medication. So getting medication correct is super important. And again, I just like using the word wackadoodle. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a frustrating thing talking about my mom, isn't it? My dad, eh, he died 25 years ago of cancer. He smoked, kind of got what he deserved in my opinion. But uh, it's tough out there. 
Amazon's newest Echo speaker sounds amazing, but expect to pay monthly to get the most out of it. What? It seems like a couple years ago, those Amazon Echo speakers, they were given away for free, right? It seemed like you could almost get one just for walking into a store. It really shines when it plays what are called 3D audio tracks, but you need to pay $13 per month to access them. And there's typically only about 1,000 songs right now. Huh. So music services are going to start upping their game, right? The Amazon Echo Studio is the best Echo you can buy. The best Echo to date, 199 bucks. It's kind of similar performance, but it undercuts Apple and Sonos in price. And there's something now called Amazon Music HD. It's a premium music service. The 3D audio support creates a wild sound stage that makes it sound like music is coming from a whole area around the speaker instead of directly to you. Would you pay $12.99 a month? Let's just call that $156 a year plus tax, right? It doesn't take an audio file to recognize that the sound is pretty cool. But uh, is it a gimmick? Will it work? Will it not work? So anyway, I, I do like the upping of the game there. Kroger is rebranding itself with a new logo. Facebook came out with an all-caps logo yesterday, which is really weird. Like, you think of Facebook and you kind of think of the Internet, right? And you think of instant messaging and you, you, you go back to your days of things like America Online and you kind of see Facebook is the Internet now or something like that. So for them to put their name in all caps, how is that possible? Because isn't all caps a sign that you're angry and mad? And you want to be heard? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Someone's going to get fired for that one. So Kroger unveiled a new logo and tagline. Interesting, right? In the day and age of Amazon and Whole Foods, you're seeing companies like Kroger, who basically been around for 200 years, try to come up with something new. Instead of your local grocery store, now it's fresh for everyone. Kroger also owns Ralph's, Fry's, Harris Teeter, Fred Meyer, and a dozen other banners that sell food, uh, i.e. grocery stores. Fresh is the point of difference. And I get it. Many years ago, I dated a younger woman before I was married, and um, she was all about fresh. Opened her fridge, and there was no orange juice. There was nothing in there except for liquor. And I was like, I like the way you party. Like, she had a lot of frozen uh, vodkas on ice and stuff like that. I don't, I don't exactly know what I'm talking about here, but um, every one of her meals, she wants fresh food. So for Kroger to say, we're going to use the word fresh, I get it. It's a difference maker for younger people. Fresh for everyone. Whether it's the bumblebees... Eh, fresh for everyone, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Oh, boy. Here's an IPO that you kind of love, but you kind of have to stay away from it. It's called Yeti. I'm talking a lot about IPOs for some reason at the end of this year because I think we saw Beyond Meat turn into a story, momentum story of the year, only to collapse. We've seen Uber and Lyft come public only to underperform. 
in a market that's wildly outperforming. There's a company that came public last year that makes coolers, things that keep your beer and your soda cold. A company called Yeti. It is an amazing product. It is not an amazing investment. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up for the seminar today.